Triple M's The Real Football Show Catch-Up. Saturday mornings from 7am for CMI Toyota, SA's number one Toyota dealer. Triple M's Real Football Show. Where Chris Dittmar, Albie Kidd, Marcos Flores and Val Migliaccio discuss the biggest issues affecting fans of the round ball. Terrific run and a super finish. The Triple M Real Football Show. Oh, hello and welcome once again this week to the Real Football Show and our special guest Maria Jose Rocas. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Got there. And you had a big win this week. Yes, amazing win mm. against Canberra United. Yep. 2-1. Two, 2-1. One, two, one. So very, very happy week for us. All right. I just enjoyed this last week. I want to play this again, Maria. Extraordinary, um, uh, Cote Rocas. What was that commentary from? What what game was it? That was uh, when we qualify actually for the World Cup. Chile. So, yeah, we won one zero against Uruguay. Fantastic, amazing, yeah, yeah, brilliant stuff. All right, Val, what's coming up on the podcast today? We've got so much, and I'm so upset at the, at the moment because my team uh, Juventus lost to Porto. There was a penalty last second, but we won't talk about that. Yeah, but they scored. The, they got the away goal, so uh, yeah, they're know, still in the tie but for sure. Let's forget about that. Uh, today we'll talk to Nick Galatis, the chairman of the Association of Australian Football Clubs, and the organisation was formed by 80 or so clubs mm. in 2017. There's a proposed national second division on its way, and the footings are being laid right now. So hopefully all right. it all comes together. Do it's all of us believe, going. realistically, can we have a second division in Australia? Albie Kid. Well, it'd be great, Dits, but... Um, you know, speak to, to Nick there, you know, hopefully he comes up with some uh, really good information there because it needs to be planned. You know, it's been talked about for a lot of years, but the sustainability of it is always going to be in question for who, me. Who pays for it? Exactly. Yeah. All right. What else you got today, Val? Well, there's also Paul Itzo. It's, uh, I spoke to him last night before he played a match <clears> in the Greek <throat> second division. He played for Xanthi in the second division in Greece, in northeastern Greece. They lost overnight, but he was really good on the weekend, saved a 94th-minute penalty and a 1-0 win for his side. So P- Tony Popovich coaches that side. Yep. Good Australian influence. And I was actually really surprised by the quality of the Greek second division because it's on free-to-air. Yeah. You can download it and watch it. It's mm. it's actually a good standard, Albie. How does it compare with the A-League? Well, up there. Up there? Right. And I, I, yep. I like the technical, the tactically, and, and Paul goes into uh, – how it's really hard to score a goal, not like the A-League goals are easy to come by. Also, Diego Forlan, the Uruguay legend, um, he was featured by the uh, Spain's La Liga Australian arm. They put him up last week. So there's a snippet from him, and he talks about potentially coaching in Australia. He was touted as becoming a potential A-League player a few years ago before he ended up in India and then uh, Hong Kong, but uh, he talks about that as well. 
All right, plenty coming up on The Real Football Show. Let's talk about the second division nationally in Australia. And our special guest on the line is from the Association of Football Clubs in Australia, Nick Galatis. Nick, the idea or the concept of having a a second division in Australia, uh, tell us all about it. Uh, Is it realistic? The idea, because we haven't had a second division for so long, and that's sort of what you're you're driving at and what you're talking about really, is that... we have to start somewhere. And, you know, as Val said at the beginning, talking is talking. And we've talked for a long, a long time. And not only us, not only the clubs, but ev- everyone in football has been talking about this for a long time. And somewhere, somewhere, someplace, we've got to start. You guys are asking your questions this morning. I've had different questions by different different people. If you put 100 of us, 1,000 of us in a room and we're football people, we're all going to have a slightly different take, a slightly different emphasis. Mm. If we set, If we set the bar as being total agreement, well, forget it. No one's going to totally agree. We don't, we don't apply that standard to anything else in life. We don't require 100 people out of 100 parliamentarians out of 100 to vote for legislation. We don't require in any meeting, in any board, in any, you know, uh, uh, unanimity. You know, majorities do or whatever it might be. So what we've got here is we say what is a workable, sustainable model to start. We're not saying uh, this is what, you know, it, it will ideally be the, play, uh, the situation in three, four, five years after the start. We're hoping it grows. And we've built within it, we think, the DNA for growth. So we say that. We've got a phased approach. So we say, look, let's start where we can conservatively and safely start and without making any bold predictions about revenue and, you know, massive money coming in from streaming or somewhere. Let's just start where we think we can start where the clubs can meet mm. um, the cost. And then if, if we do better than we, we, we've you know, allowed for, fantastic, we'll grow quicker. So would, would we would the clubs love a professional setup from day one where every player you know, trains you know, f- five days a week and plays and uh, is a professional, et cetera, and we have a $10 million budget? Magnificent. We don't live in that world. So let's, let's start in the world we live and, let, and let's grow the game. And that's what this is about, growing the number of strong clubs in, around the country. Nick, would it be fair to say... So when the A-League started and, you know, fo- football right around the world, it's, it's a natural progression and, and things yep. fall into place naturally yes. that a lot of yes. these clubs, South Melbourne, Marconi, Sydney United, Adelaide City, um, Preston, got smashed yep. on the head with a baseball bat. Yep. Like, and yep. there was a total disconnect. And I've noticed that here in South Australia. Yes. West Adelaide, Hellas, another strong club. Yep. Yep. Everything went downhill from them. Yep. And and it's now I think they've lost a bit of momentum with it as well. Yep, I mean that's absolutely. that's a yes. How's this all going to come back? Yeah, because but there was one one common problem. The one the one common denominator was budget. Was what it yep. cost? Mm. Surely yep. we keep coming back to the same argument or same question, yep. don't we? Yeah, and look, Val, I think you've actually, I think as you're just speaking now, I can't see you guys I'm relying on a voice, um, uh, is that you've touched on a couple of things that are absolutely spot on, natural progression being one, um, based on the head being another, um, you know, being out of it for a while and losing momentum to another. I completely agree, and, and they are absolutely, I think, 100% spot on observations. And just to pick up on them, that's what we say we are trying to achieve in this country by introducing um, another division which aligns the game better. So instead of having this imbalanced set-up approach, so we've prescribed this this method. We've set up an A-League initially, remember, with only seven teams in the country. Yeah. Someone thought it was a good idea to get rid of all the other clubs and actually put them in a place where they don't fit, and I'll come to that in a second with Adelaide in particular, uh, and then you've got seven around the country to play intercity matches. That That was considered the way to go. Now, we think the opposite's the case. You need as many naturally 
progressing good clubs around the country, fitting where they fit. So, you know, you took Adelaide, Sydney and West Adelaide and you mentioned those two that were, you know, former NSL, you know, uh, teams, Adelaide, City, one of the greats. And, um, you know, with all the players they've produced and the success they had uh, in particular, uh, and not to, not to put West Adelaide down, but, you know, just, just to pick on one. And when you throw them into a local state league for which they're not suited, because they were suited for the bigger stage, they're not going to thrive there. They're not going to, and they're going to, they're going to wither. And I'm thinking, you know, we, we say, why would you take fantastic institutions like that, self-made, self-built, and, and not use them, not, not absolutely tap the resource that they are, and instead do the opposite, not only not use them, but sort of put them in a position of withering. So this is where I think, you know, we, we, we've struggled. We've tried to be prescriptive here about what people do. So we say, right, Adelaide United, you know, they're, a, they're an A-League team. Adelaide City, they're an MPL team. So-and-so is a community team. And, you know, we put people in their place. Nick, Why um, do that? and that makes sense. Nick, I, it's Chris Dittmar speaking. I've been a president here locally of a, yep. of a club um, yep. at yep. NPL SA level. My question to you is, what's the criteria? What are the real key points that you look for from a club yep. that would want yep. to enter? Like, what are the most important, say, three or four th- criteria that I would need to meet yep. as a yep. local club? Okay, so have a look at have a look at their report, which sets them all out. And what we've done is really we picked up very much on what the NPL criteria are, and we've just we've just um, expanded them. So what we're saying is, for you, you need facilities. So you'll need you'll need a decent ground that can accommodate three thousand people, not necessarily all seated. You'll need to meet the budget that we, you know. We, we, when we say budget, we say that look, um, you know, we're estimating this is what it's going to cost for you to meet the criteria that's in there. We're thinking, provided you're playing now and you've got a cost, you you've got a marginal additional cost that you'll add to that to meet the criteria you'll have to have a women's program although not necessarily npl to begin with because of the way the npl works for women so we don't want to you know restrict teams that aren't in there now but a program you'll you know you'll you'll maintain a a junior setup uh you'll have um you know there will be a professional type setup there's governance standards that we've put in there about what what the board would look like meeting the minimum governance standards they're the types of things that we've outlined in the report i think you'll find them set out, I think, page 42, and I'm going on memory. Mm-hmm. I don't have it in front of me, yep. but I've almost photographed the whole thing in my brain. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where you'll find them. So if you look at those in a club thinks, yep, we can, we can meet those. One, you can apply initially, Chris, or the other is you can aim towards them, and that's the key. Hmm. You, you know, you, you won't have, uh, you know, we don't want to leave this at 12. If we if we get this up and going and we're, we're 10 years later, we're having a conversation, we'd like to sit there and think, after we've introduced ProRail with MPL below, We've got 2025 20, teams that have participated in this competition yep, yep. and more to come. So we're building clubs around the country. Fantastic. And we're keeping players in the game. Yep. And there's a valid question from Ditsera, uh, Nick, but um, sustainability is, is the main thing in my, my opinion. But from a football from a football person and a football yep. perspective, yep. Uh, I really see the second division being healthy for the game, uh, obviously because of the promotion and relegation. But, um, you know... It concerns me a little bit. It needs to be set out really, really properly because you really don't want any of the big clubs dropping out of the top league. Uh, would you agree no. with that? Well, well, sorry, what do you mean dropping out of the top league? Well, oh, if, you, if you get relegated, uh, you get a, yeah, getting relegated. Of the Melbourne victory, you get relegated. Oh. Uh, they, they have a bad squad, uh, oh. uh, and then something happens, and blah blah blah. That's that's a disaster for the yeah. sustainability oh. of the leagues. 
we don't we we've got no issue with the AC at the moment. We're not dealing with the A League guys, and just this is an important point because we don't have at the moment. Uh, this second division hasn't started. We're not looking to interfere in any way, shape, or form with the A League because the A League's there, and it's it's you know it's um it's the A League, and it's performing on its own. It's unbundled. It's a separate organisation, and we're looking to build really on what's from what's below. Now, if if we're in a position where in a few years' time what we've constructed and what's happening out there is a very strong um, second tier, then it's a matter for others. It won't be. It's not a matter for us to sit here and dictate whether there's promotion and relegation to and from the, uh, this division that we're this competition that we're proposing in the A League. But if it's a very strong competition and, and others then think with that strong competition in place, let's have promotion and relegation to the um, with the A League. That's a different matter. And at that point. If a Melbourne victory drops out, well, where are they going to drop to? They're dropping to a strong division, They're not dropping into you know some never place. Mm-hmm. So that that would only happen yeah. uh, when it's strong. So and, and let's and let's face it, if you look at the EPL now in England and there's promotion relegation for who? It's not there's not really promotion relegation from everybody. Is there? Theoretically, there is, but the top you know seven, eight, ten really strong teams yeah. aren't, aren't yep. likely to go down. And the same so teams seem to come up and go down, don't they? Yeah. And that's what happens in life, and you need that, and you yeah. need that elasticity, yep. so that you've got those teams that uh, you know can can go down for a breather sometimes, mm. come back again, create opportunities. So you need all that, but you know that that's the natural progression that Val spoke about before. Nick, fantastic to chat to you. Uh, you sound very very well organised. I like the fact that you've got a massive yeah. document, a lot of criteria, yeah. because it's yeah. going to be important uh, moving yeah. forward, mate. Thanks for talking to us. Thank you very much. Good on you. Cheers, there he is Nicolatis, who's the uh, president of the Australian. Uh, Football Clubs Association. Have I got that right, Val? Absolutely. And by the way, Ditz, uh, your former club, yes, West Torrens Burkala, is actually part of this organisation. Yeah. They're, they're one of the founders. Yeah. Um, Albie, I think you've got a concern. I can see you uh, waving your arms about there about relegation <laughs> and promotion. I don't think it'll happen. And in fact, I would go out on a limb and say it can't happen. You can't be Melbourne Victory and all of a sudden drop down and play at this level. Likewise, you can't be West Torrens Burkala and go from playing in front of a 1,000 people to saying, yeah, we'll fill Hindmar <laughs> Stadium and play against the likes of Melbourne Victory. That is not going to happen. Surely, well, from where I sit, and Maria, you've got international experience, but from where I sit, that, that's dreaming. That will never happen. This will always be a second tier, surely. I can uh, see it evolving, though. <clears throat> for me, I think it should be like that, though. Like, you have a first division, a league, and you have a second division, and who don't perform, whoever mm. or whatever club is, it's not performance. They should drop. Uh, I know, but I just think the gap will be too big. Certainly it will, initially, but that's why. Initially, and, yes. And initially. What, what will be the good thing is that we can have a proper, I think, FA Cup where there will be local teams have great wins over A-League sides and that will provide some good content for all of us, won't it? Some great entertainment. Well, but I think initially, but initially, I mean, you've come from a background in Scotland where you, you love the relegation promotion system. Initially, what Nick is trying to get off the ground, the, the, the gap between the clubs will be too great. On and off the field. Yeah, but I don't. He's not talking about promotion and relegation from the A League down. Mm. It's the other way. It's from the second division down to the NPL, the NPL up. Yes, that's what he's talking yeah. about. All right, and I think, I think he made it quite clear that the A League is going to be separate on its own. Well, that's a disappointing thing that I was sort of waving my hands about because you're the progression of the uh, of the second division. Have you, you got promoted in the second division? Where do you go from from there? Normally, the, the main thing would be the carrot is you get up into the A-League with the big boys. Yeah, that's true. And and I think eventually it should evolve that way. You, you take the Central Coast Mariners. They, they were a basket case for years and years and years because of the lack of finances. Look at them now. 
Yeah, hang on. So they've been at the one bottom. Summer, that's, come on, you can't get carried away by what's no, happening right now. I'm not saying right they're now. brilliant, but I'm saying... They haven't all of a sudden arrived. But I'm saying five years ago, if they were relegated, they probably would have folded and good night, it would have been all over. They had had a chance to recoup, regenerate, and away you go. They will never be at, a big club. You look at the Adelaide United W League team. For years and years and years, I, don't, I think they've won the most wooden spoons mm. in history of mm. you know the W. Look at them now, third. Yeah. And if there was relegation, that team could have folded and good night, mm. all over. That is true. That is true. But football, soccer, it's a world stage sport where the rules should be everywhere the same. I think initially, yes, it's a little bit tough. But I think for second division, players will be like, I want to be in first division. So I want to fight and, and, and win for that. Not just to stay in that level, thinking that I can't go any farther. So. Okay, Nicolatis, our special guest. You're with The Real Football Show. Our special guest in the studio, Maria Jose Rojas Cote. Tell us about this new initiative from the club you're playing with, Adelaide United. Yes, yes. Um, amazing, amazing initiative. So um, my money house just bought all tickets. We want to break the all-time W League crown attendance. So I invite and make sure you register to get your free tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, what a be- what a better way to celebrate women's football, yeah. uh, especially now that the World Cup is coming in 2023. So you're saying one organisation bought all the tickets? Yes, they and did. And now they're giving them away? Exactly, because they want to help the community wow. to approach women's football. So yeah. I expect, you know, not just everyone, but I think from every single culture, yep. uh, country, background, uh, uh, everyone is welcome, and I hope you, we can break that, that record. What's being done, for example, to go to all of the, girls soccer teams around Adelaide, South Australia to give them tickets, for example, each week. Does, does that sort of thing happen or not to bring them to the games? Uh, we try to bring people to the game, but um, it, we can't, um, I guess the club cannot do it for free. Yep. Uh, we they, they, they charge a minimum amount, so we, we're also helping people with that. They don't have to pay so much money. Uh, but this is having... a chance to do that. You could reach exactly, out. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Even if people don't know the game, I invite them because mm-hmm. they will fall in love. Yep. Like it will be, we will, we will score goals. We <clears throat> we want to win. We're doing really well, actually. Yep. We are third on the ladder, nice. so we're very happy with that. And again, Again, register to get your free tickets. So I reckon uh, this company's, if you do $20 a ticket, mm. 16,000 people, that's $320,000 yeah. pumping into yeah. Adelaide United. Yeah, yep. a ticket pretty, costs $10. That's, that's, pretty that's very significant. <laughs> yep, at $10, uh, $12. Oh, okay, so $10. Still. Still, still yep. Very we're significant. Very, yeah, yeah, we're very um, actually <clears throat> grateful for this, um, um, my money house, yep. uh, who I actually uh, met them. Yep. For um from Adelaide United and they they very into women's game and supporting that and also helping the community. So, All right. so what, what's the what's the crowd record in the W League? Uh, around three thousand. <clears throat> so that's a, that's not so, a grand final though. It, yeah, yeah, that's the like, record in Australia. So we want to uh, break my, my that. We want to yeah. My records say something different. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Right. I believe it. What's your record? <laughs> that's, it says 7,000. Okay. That could be now. maybe a grand final. <laughs> we yeah. can break that. That's all right. 10,000 Get it up to 6,000. Yeah. All right, let's head to <laughs> Europe now. And uh, Val mentioned at the top of the program that he caught up with great Australian goalkeeper, young fella Paul Izzo, who's playing in Greece. Val spoke to him earlier in the week. Joining us now on the Triple M Real Football Podcast, all the way from uh, Xanthi in Greece. And I believe uh, the actual town's closer to Istanbul in Turkey than it is to Athens. Is that right, Paul? Yeah, it's pretty close to a few countries here at the moment. But, um, no, it's, it's, it's nice. 
So you're based in northeastern Greece, and I've got to say that when you actually made the move, it was a bit of a shock to me going to the a Greek second division club where Tony Popovich is the coach. I watched a, a bit of a game on Sunday where you actually uh, you had a big impact by saving a penalty in the 94th minute against, I think it's Trikala. And the standard looks good. Your stadium looks good. So how, what was it actually like? Yeah, um, I knew coming over it was going to be... Um obviously a lot different to back home. But, um, uh, yeah, so far I've been um, pretty impressed with uh, other teams, uh, their stadiums, especially, you know, our stadium's very nice. Uh, it's a real football stadium. Um, they just redeveloped uh, a bit of it. They got some new seats put in. And, um, yeah, the, the clubs are really looking um, in the right direction of the, trying to establish themselves as a, a really solid uh club over here in Greece. Yeah, and, and you're just on the way to training this morning before you play a game uh, midweek. Now, Tony Popovich, obviously the Australian influence, and there's a few Aussies with you, Matt Yerman, who came off the bench on the weekend, Josh Brillante, there's Christian Popovich's son, um, yourself, and then you've got a Kiwi, Callan Elliott. What I also noticed on the weekend was that a lot of the players had their names written in the Greek calligraphy, but you guys had the the normal what our normal calligraphy. What what's that all about? Yeah, I don't know. I asked them about it at the start of the year, but uh, no, they uh, I think uh, all the foreigners kind of just have their names spelled um, in uh, you know normal English. Uh, yeah, maybe it's to help uh, with translation and um, and uh, reading names. But um, yeah, who knows? Maybe around long enough so they'll write it in Greek. <laughs> and do you actually speak Greek now? Uh, I definitely understand a lot more than um, I did when I was back home. Yeah. Um, I, it's a very difficult language. Um, I didn't learn too much when I was growing up, but uh, you know, I'm starting to catch a bit here and there. Yeah, which is great. And obviously the the clubs owned by uh, Greek-Australian Bill Pappas, and he's made no secret that he wants the club back in the Super League. So um, how's that all sitting for you at the moment? And, you know, COVID, I noticed that your season, you know, kept on getting delayed and delayed, and then now you're finally playing, and I think there's only 22 matches before it's complete. So has that been difficult as well? Because you've been sitting basically maybe for three months without really playing an official game. seeing yourself um, you were in very good form last season for Adelaide United how have you seen your your form this season 
Yeah, um, obviously first game um, was difficult after uh, coming back from a little operation on Asian. Um And um, yeah, I think between that, it was maybe like close to five, six months that I last played a game. So um, yeah, now that I'm playing a bit more regularly, um, got three games under my belt, feeling a, a bit better. Uh, obviously still want to keep pushing to improve things. Um, but um, yeah, so far, I'm uh, really enjoying it and um, I'm feeling good. And just the environment, you know, being being in the centre of football in, in Europe, uh, is the expectations a lot different? Is, is the game taken a lot more seriously there and a lot more scrutiny? How do you see it? Yeah, it's, um, it's very dramatic. Um, it's uh, definitely, like I say, when it's like another world over here, it, uh, football definitely is number one. Um, you know, everyone's watching results, everyone's uh, watching the team, and um, you know, it, is, it is another whole different kind of pressure. Um, and I guess in a way, that's that's the reason why I decided to come. I mean, I was I was up for, a, I was definitely itching for a new challenge, and um, I was very comfortable in Adelaide. And yeah, you know, for me, this is just a bit of a step out of the comfort zone. Whether there's a few Australians here or not, I think um, it was always going to be challenging. And um, yeah, it's uh, all part of the experience that I, I, I wanted to. To see and, and do. So, are you feeling homesick at all, or you settled in well? No, I think I've settled in too well. To be honest, <laughs> uh, you can really get you can really get caught up in the the Greek life real quick. Um, wake up, have a coffee. Uh, it's kind of zero stress around the place all the time. <laughs> um, you know, it's a very relaxed lifestyle, very you know easy going, and. Uh, I think that just suits me uh, perfect, to be honest. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm really enjoying it. So you, you drive yourself around, and I notice that your club's got a really good training base as well. I mean, do you drive yourself to training as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was definitely pretty weird driving on the other side of the road yeah. um, at the start. Um, yeah, well, no, the last time I was in a car, I wasn't too, good, yeah. too excited either. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, no, no, the, the clubs look after all of us pretty well. Um, everyone's got a car each to, to get the training and, and yeah. you know, so on, do their normal life activities. And yeah, and yeah the training centres are really nice. The stadium's right next to the training ground, so, you know, you're only going to one place, not travelling here and there. And yeah, it's, it's a really good setup. Yeah, yeah. And, and just with Popper, what sort of training? I mean, is he... Upped it a little bit um, from what you're used to in Adelaide. Is it the same? I mean, what can you tell us about that? Um, yeah, the training for me, I think um, it's just so intense. Like um, sessions might be short, but he wants to make sure you get the absolute most out of you know every every drill in, in session, and Jake puts that um, high intensity kind of aspect into it to make sure, even though sessions maybe 45 minutes to an hour that you know you're you're working for that full hour and you, you're getting the most out of it so yeah you know, training wise it's not too different to, to anything any other coach I've really had yeah the only uh, difference is I think it's just the, the intensity that he demands and the, the you know the the need for improvement yeah, 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 and just it, obviously there's been a, a change of goalkeeper coach as well. Zelko Kalitz has 
left the club. So I don't know what happened to him, but you've got a new goalkeeper coach as well. So have you adjusted to that? So just the club itself, you know, it's been, I think, fairly successful because it's a regional club. I understand the, the most successful regional club in, in Greece. And you played the club, played UEFA Cup, Europa League. So what's the the future, obviously, to get back into the into the Super League? But, I mean, are you targeting as a player yourself to get up where you can um, showcase yourself you know, among the best clubs in Europe as well. I mean, that'll obviously be the year after if you get promoted. Yeah, um, I mean, that was the the goal from the the get go uh, before coming here. Um, you, you like hearing stories and, and doing a bit of research myself into the club. You see how uh, solid they've been for. You know, 30 to 40 years uh, being in the top division and, like you said, being only like a regional team, not exactly like a, you know, main city. Um, so that was pretty impressive to me. Um, and, yeah, I just want to, you know, of course, like everyone here, we want to get the club back to where, where it rightfully should be. Um, obviously due to the unfortunate kind of situation that we involved in last year. And... Um, yeah, like I said, showcasing ourselves against those um, those big teams in the in the top division, and you know, really testing yourself there against the, another higher quality. Beautiful. Well, Paul Izzo, thanks for your time, and uh, enjoy yourself. Hopefully, we'll get we'll catch up you if you're able to get back mid-year, COVID willing. <laughs> yeah, well, fingers crossed. We'll see. So, Xanthis, πρώτη φορά που βρίσκεται αντίον της. Φοβερό. Ριζογιάννης απέναντι στον Πολ Ίτσο, ενώ συμπληρώνουμε τώρα τα τέσσερα λεπτά του έξτρα χρόνου. Έχει 10 στα 10 απέναντι καριέρας ο Ριζογιάννης. Για να δούμε τι θα κάνει εδώ σε ένα από τα πιο κρίσιμα όλα αυτά τα χρόνια. Ριζογιάννης παίρνει φόρα, το βγάζει ο Ίτσο, μπλοκάρει την μπάλα κάτω αριστερά. Δεν ήταν τόσο άσχημη η εκτέλεση του Ριζογιάννη, αλλά ήταν περισσότερο εντυπωσιακό το ξεπέταγμα του Ίτσο στην αριστερή του γωνία. Now what he said there in not so many words was Paul Izzo made a great save from a penalty. Yeah, and and I could visualize a commentator doing it with the rosary beads in his hand, yeah. <laughs> like walking around. It's just it's just what? such a beautiful language. I I love it. Last minute, wasn't it? It was the 94th minute. This is yeah. on uh, Sunday, so unfortunately they they lost. You'll be, a super, you'll be a superstar for the fall, he's, he's loving. He's <laughs> loving life over there. Absolutely loving it. And uh, he was on his way to training when he spoke to me, and it started snowing. He said, I didn't expect this to be part of the contract, <laughs> so he had to train in snow as well. The club in itself, it's, they tell me it's uh, more Turkey, closer to Turkey than what it is Greece, is that? 400-odd kilometres from uh, Istanbul, 700 from Athens, and I think it's even closer to 
the capital of Bulgaria. Right. Sophia. I think. Time now on The Real Football Show to talk about the EPL. is looking to spread the ball into the wider areas and Gallagher with a deeper cross in and what a goal and what a start for West Bromwich Albion a first Premier League goal for Umbaidian oh 1-1 with Man United here we come West Brom we're on the way up I think they'll make Europe West Brom <laughs> yeah you go I hope they do <laughs> No, well, it was a good result for them, by the yeah, way. Great result. Uh, what were the highlights for you during the week as, uh, as far as the EPL is concerned, Albert? Well, just last night's game, uh, Manchester City beat um, uh, Everton away from home 3-1. I'm gutted with that result because it looks like they're going to win the league now. They're sitting on 56 points with the closest rival being Man United on 46. Hmm. So 10 points to drift. But, um, but looking at the scores, just some strange scores, scores for me. Um, you're looking, looking at the, how the league's forming. Uh, you've got Liverpool really struggling now, albeit that the one in Europe uh, last night, 2-0. Um, but um, and the, other league, uh, the other team for me is Tottenham. You know, Tottenham's been up there and they're struggling. Uh, you know, Leicester beat Liverpool 3-1. Man, uh, Man, Man City last week beat uh, Tottenham 3-0 at home. Uh, and the other game, as you've mentioned, Man United really dropping their bundle mm. there that's to keep in the race. Yep. Uh, we all due respect to um, West Brom mm. being in the, uh, the the bottom three there, but uh, that's a bad result for, for Man, Man United. Just the cop factor not being able to... This. Be at the games. How much of an impact do you think it would have on, on Liverpool and their results? Well, we've talked about it before and, and really, you know, being a former player and playing in big crowds, everybody raises their game uh, to play in a big crowd, you know, playing in front of 60,000 or something. It's a massive difference. But Liverpool, the Liverpool players, even when they score goals, they sort of semi enjoy the goal or celebrate the goal. Semi. There's nobody going ballistic about things. You know, maybe it will come when it comes to the pointy end of the season, but um, it's just a sad, sad thing that's happening just now. It's a, it's a precarious position that we're in, as we all know, but um, but really, the league is looking a bit funny for me. You look at the top six there, mm. Man United, uh, Man City, Leicester, Chelsea, and, and West Ham. David Moyes, our yeah, good mate, great that's job. what we interviewed last year. He's doing a magnificent job there. You know? Yeah, it surprised me, Arsenal. I'm a big fan, and yeah, yes. they're not doing well. Mm. Yeah, Arteta having a problem there. Uh, he's got a problem. You're having a problem with his um, his players. Uh, we did mention that he, he was interviewed there, and um, he's trying. He's say, he actually said in the interview, you know, you should look in the mirror. A, a lot of the players should look in the mirror and just to see how they're performing and blah blah blah. So that's that's putting it back on the players. But I just think Arteta is maybe struggling a bit. Might be replaced. Marino as well. Hot hot news there. That's he again. Could, he could be leaving as well. To go where? Well, sacked, basically. That's not new for him. <laughs> How much money has he picked up being sacked? He probably would well, have picked, picked up more money being sacked than actually coaching clubs. I think he's still on garden and leave from uh, Real Madrid. Mm. I, I rate him as a coach, by the way. It's not. I think he's yeah. a very good coach. But he does lose the dressing room. He loses the players. He's, he's, he's bagged uh, Harry Kane last week. He's bagging uh, Gareth Bale as well. It's a silly move. It really is a silly move. You know, he should be above that now. He did it when he was at Man United, and that's what all the, the press is saying now. He does lose players, unfortunately. And then all of a sudden, when you throw these players in to try to do you a turn, it's, it's too late. You know, if you've lost the players, 
Yeah, they're, they're not, not going to play for you. Not going to play for you. No doubt about that. All right, which games you're looking forward to this weekend, Albert? Yeah, looking at the games here, Ditch, you know, you've got uh, Liverpool, the, the big derby against Everton. That'll be a massive game. Huge. Uh, Liverpool, maybe got a bit of confidence from Europe there, but uh, I think Everton will give them a, a run for their money. Uh, West Ham, as we've mentioned before, with yep. David Moyes uh, playing against Spurs. That'll be a very good uh, mm. test for Moyes there. Cause, well, uh, they, yeah, that's important, yeah. Because Spurs, are, uh, they're going to have to bounce back. Uh, Arsenal, uh, who we've mentioned, they're struggling. Um, they're playing against Man City and, and really... Jeez, I can't see Arsenal taking anything from that game. Man United versus Newcastle. Man United have got to win this game convincingly just to keep themselves in there. So that's about the the, the, the best games uh, yeah. coming um, over the weekend. It's and who do my boys play? Who do West Brom play? Uh, Don't say like Wickham <laughs> Wanderers or someone, is it? <laughs> who is West Brom playing? Uh, if you can help us out, it'd be good. Get back to me. Burnley. <laughs> Burnley. Big game what because they're in the relegation zone as well. Burnley. Yeah. All right, to finish up today, uh, Val, what are the hot topics? We've got plenty of hot topics. Um, we've got Diego Fallen coming up as well shortly. But the hot topics, Adelaide United have just announced that they've signed Josh Cavallo from Western United. We flagged that last week, yep. by the way. They're a bit slow with the news, aren't they? <laughs> so it's a, big, it's a big get for them because they've lost... Nathan Constantopoulos now, who's out for a long, long time with the ruptured ACL, his second one, and he did his first on almost a year to the days. Really, really unfortunate. Gutted for uh, young Nathan there. He's um, he's battled through. He's been very. He's a very disciplined player and got himself back on the track and got through the ACL last year. And now he's got the other leg now. Disaster. Not good. Just on uh, locally, Adelaide being belted. By MacArthur 4-0 last week. Um, are they in serious trouble? That's three three losses on the bounce. They face the Mariners tomorrow night, and it's a massive game, not only for Mariners because they can keep at the top mm. of the table, but Adelaide, if they uh, drop all points here, the, the gap will start opening up for that six. Well, that's what you expect when you've got a really new team and you've got a lot of youngsters getting game time and, and all the above. Uh, they've got Goodwin um, in there. He'll make a hell of a difference. Um, so, but MacArthur there, you, you look at the, the result and we, you know, they were well outplayed. You know, MacArthur doing well in that league there. But the game the previous week there, Val, playing against Perth, you know, they're, they're in, you know, they, they get the lead and then all of a sudden, defensively, they're very, very poor. They're not backing each other up. They're not, they're not covering. Um, the shape they're playing it's fine going forward, but defensively, they need to regroup. They're really flat, like very, very square, and a lot of balls are caught in behind, and a yep. lot of teams are playing between those lines as well. But on Sunday, um, Cote, you've got a massive game coming yes, up we as do. well. we do. We play against the top of the ladder, uh, Sydney FC. Mm. So it's going to be a good game, like a huge for us, but um, we just keep doing what you know we've been doing on the pitch. So we're very excited, and yeah, I hope <clears> to <throat> get those three points. Conte, I asked you for two goals last week. What happened? I know, right? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you should have a look this at week? shins. They're huh? black and blue. <laughs> really? Black and yeah, blue? yeah, yeah. But look, hopefully, and I and, and, and I know it's going to happen. Um, I'm, I'm waiting for that moment, and... I'm happier at the moment. You know, my team is winning, Adelaide United, you know, and um, for me, that's the most important thing, yeah, win the, those three points, and my team is our performance. So, Just going back to the man, Carl Vert, I've seen a clipping of him. He was devastated at MacArthur there. I don't know if you've seen the footage there, but he was, uh, 
he's probably you know scratching his head there. What what can he do? But he's got youngsters in there. Let's be honest about it. We did mention it that um, when you've got a team of youngsters in there, you're you're going to get uh, some hammerings or or be outplayed very much. But um, it's great for the young kids to get game time. But just I hope that the supporters just remember that that Ross Aloisi and Carl Vert have put their you know their their future on the line by playing youngsters. It's a good thing. They have. In my they opinion, have. it's a very good thing. You're you're absolutely right. And and the balance isn't there at the moment. I don't think. And you need and you'd know, Albie. You need a balance of good, experienced players mixed with the young boys. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, it's the other way around. Things go bad. What I'm not seeing at the moment is leadership. Yep, in in each line. That's what I'm not seeing, and that's that's maybe a bit of a problem. I've always I've always said that uh, I did have a chat with Ditz on that on, on leadership. There, there's not a great deal of leadership even there now, uh, but last year and the year before there wasn't a, you know. But I, I always thought it was lacking. You know, just looking at a professional game, you see people dictating terms by their mouth. You know, just getting players to to go into certain positions or come back to the park a wee bit quicker or whatever. I, I don't really see that. Because leadership, I think it comes with experience as well. So it's not something that you just do it one day. You just have to practice. And mm. it's, it's, you know, it's a little bit also with that experience. And Builds over up. time. Exactly. Mm. All right. Anything else for you today, Val? No, that's it. But uh, we'll have uh, Diego Fallen coming up shortly. And he says some good stuff. And hopefully he gets a, a leg up, maybe coaching in the A-League or even the National Second Division. Jeez, quality player to come to the country. All right. I've actually got, uh, I've got some Diego Fallen now. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. Past, well, at the moment, it's difficult for me to say, you know. Uh, but in the past, you know, I think, yeah, you can see Harry Kewell, great player. He was a great player. I think he would play not only in the Premier League and, and do and did well like he'd, he'd done. Also, Viduka, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of Australian players, you know. Cahill as well. Yes. Uh, I think... You know they have really good talent. They play in many in many other countries and did really well. I I didn't have the chance to go there. I wanted to, you know, uh, but it was it was not any offer in that moment. But yeah, you know, it was uh, you know I, I really like Australia. I've been there a couple of times, uh, just in Sydney and also in Melbourne. Not not much. I I haven't. I didn't have the opportunity to go all around. I know it's a great country, beautiful, uh, and you can see. You know, sometimes before I was watching more Australian football, uh, but didn't have the chance. I know. I know it would have been really good and nice. Uh, it's a really nice lifestyle and also good football. So you look. Yeah, at- well. I think you as a country, you've been doing everything uh, really good. You know, you can see now the Australian Open and you can see fans in the stands. This is because you've been doing really, really well things. And in every part of the world, you see sports and there's no fans. So I think everybody needs to maintain distance, uh, you know, to... Uh, continue doing what the government and all the protocol you need to do, and and this is the 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 best vaccine. Of course, we everybody's waiting. There are some places that they are still, you know, uh, doing it. But to stop it, I think we need to be really uh, serious and and try to maintain distance and do everything that 
the, the specialist says to us. So there you go, Diego Forlan. Is he on his way to Australia, Val? Well, it's a long shot. Um, <laughs> you're going to need some big money to have him in the hot seat as a coach. He's an untried coach as well, but hey. Superstar. Knows? Superstar as a player, but you, to bring that profile to Australia is fantastic, you know, and, and, and really, you hear his English, he's very, very good English. Yeah. Just on La Liga, they've got an arm in Australia and New Zealand. This is what they do really well. So they're trying to broaden their horizons with getting media coverage and La Liga's been, you know, one of the, it was number one league for a long, long time and I think it's maybe, since Ronaldo has actually moved, a lot of interest has dropped off. Yep, yep. But they're doing a lot of work to, to keep in people's faces and it's interesting. Like the EPL is number one for popularity but then you get La Liga. Serie A in Italy is about to do the same thing, I understand as well. So this is what we're up against in the country. Yep. So you get a lot of kids that, and you know, it's, They'll support Chelsea, Manchester City, but mm. they've got no club. They haven't even got a local club in Australia. Yeah. It's something which uh, we need to fix up. Yeah. yeah, I'm agree with that. La Liga is because, you know, we watch that because the players, because the names, because uh, um, it's not the greatest competition. It's getting there. But, yeah, I'm agree with the We need those names. We need, you know, the game needs to be entertainment. Hmm. All right, that is it for the Real Football Show for another week. Some big, big names. Uh, and uh, thank you once again, Kotev, for coming in. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. Thank you so and much. And we'll do it all again next week on the Real Football Show. Triple M's The Real Football Show Catch-Up. Saturday mornings from 7am for CMI Toyota, SA's number one Toyota dealer.